Check Podcasts. I'd like to welcome everybody back to House Guests. This is the podcast where I bring my guests on that I love and find very interesting and can share with you. You might notice that the studio looks a little bit different today to those that are at home watching us on TV versus just listening to the podcast. I'm actually taking over the Czech studio today. I usually try and film at my house because, you know, I like the beautiful decor and background and kind of fits with my branding as an interior designer. However, doing renovations in my own house, any of you who have been through that know that it hits a point where you kind of get kicked out. It's not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. So today they're doing the stuccoing and it was absolutely no chance that I was going to be able to have a quiet moment to spend time with you all at home. So today I am bringing on one of my favorite people, a good friend, John Byrne, who's a realtor with Chris and John at Engel Volker. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you very much. Very nice to be here. It's been so funny because I've known you for so long. I mean, you've raised and born and all that in Victoria, but I've known you for a long time. I think maybe back to the Canadian tire days. <laughs> yeah, definitely some humble beginnings for both of us, for sure. Hey, uh, for, it builds yeah. character. And so often I'll be on a job site and someone's like, oh, I need X and X or, or like drill bit or you know, screwdriver. And I'm like, can you just call it by the proper name? I know what you're talking about. I know what Phillips head <laughs> is. And that's all thanks to Canadian Tire. Yeah, I was really proud of that job too. Um, you know, it was a humble beginning for sure. And we worked hard, but it was uh, it was a good place to work. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I remember, uh, I'm not going to say the year because that's really going to date us. But uh, <laughs> I think I, I started there, I was making $6.25 an hour. And that was that was a good a, job. A minimum wage. It was a great job. Yeah. yeah. I, I had more dispensable income then than I do now. That's for sure. Yeah. Profit sharing, all that kind of stuff. And that was great. Met so many great people. Yeah. And so on House Guests, we really like to talk about people's stories and how they got to where they are now. Because most people, you know, you, I maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think you were a 12 year old boy who was like, I'm going to become a realtor when I grow up. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think any twelve-year-old says that actually ever. I feel um, like nowadays, because of some of the shows out there, people <laughs> think it's like a high rolling kind of ritzy yeah. game. Yeah, I tried to be an astronaut and a dentist and a paleontologist and all those things. They didn't quite work out. So, like yeah. most realtors, it was just a, a fallback career. Um, <laughs> How long have you been in the industry now? Uh, Fifteen years now. Right. So that's you've seen a lot of ups and downs in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been through them all and uh, proud to uh, still be around for sure. And I think that a lot of your background really adds to what you bring to the table for your clients as well. Because aside from the realty game, you love cars. I remember working with you in the past, you telling me or asking me, how many cars do you think I've owned in my life? And I didn't even come close. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a that's a bit of a strange addiction for me for sure. I've slowed down a little, but it's definitely like forty five or fifty or something like that now. So that's getting up there. Cool. And that was just something that you started when you were young. You just loved them forever. Yeah, yeah. I remember actually uh, when I was probably sixteen or seventeen, having too many uninsured vehicles on my parents' lot, and we actually got a bylaw fraction for it. So Ooh. it started early. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's true. And then um, you also are very interested in the side of renovations and all of that, which probably plays even before you're a realtor into that side of it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's certainly a passion of mine and, and has been uh, for many years now. Uh, I love the real estate investment side of things. Uh, I, I really enjoy the, uh, the renovations um, and just sharing my own personal experiences with, uh, with clients too. Yeah, and I think that's very important. Like I sort of touched on it at the beginning of the show, but you know, I've probably done, oh man, upwards of 200 builds, renovations, all of that kind of stuff. But until you've done one for yourself, lived in it, gone through it, it's a totally different experience. Yeah, you got to make those mistakes to be able to give advice for sure. Absolutely. And even I think doing that really makes you appreciate the experts out there and getting advice from other people and all of that. Very true. Very true. Yeah. One of the other things, um, viewers, you might remember John's face and um, be well aware of where you know him from. But we also did a TV show together on check. Um, oh. 10 years ago now, I want to say, I think this is the 10 year anniversary yeah. of Design District. We did two series of Design District and John was on that show with me. Yeah, that, that was a lot of funny. I mean, it really was. And it is hard to believe that's 10 years, but I guess that's what it is. We were just babies then. <laughs> just babies, just babies. Yeah, yeah that, that really um, got the, uh, you know, the mindset for me uh, for design and uh and even investment properties too is um was something that really got those juices flowing back then for me and and uh continued to do so ever since well it was really cool because was that your first investment property that we actually aired on the show it was yeah it was that one house and uh you know since then we've bought numerous ones and gone through uh lots of highs and lows and it's been uh, it's been a really exciting process for sure well, it was funny when we were doing the auditions for that show, you had sent in an audition tape and um, I think we were looking for a realtor and a renovator or a contractor at that time. And we loved you so much, like in the renovation role as the contractor that we were like, can you kind of just like muddy your role a little bit and like, let's pretend that you're, you're taking on the contractor side a bit, but you're still a realtor. And you just explained everything so well to the viewers and you really are, do that with your clients as well. Like you really take any questions out and can kind of explain it easily to them. For sure. For sure. Uh, not mean to toot my horn too much, but uh, you kind of got to walk the walk before you can talk the talk. And That's so uh, having a lot of personal experience has really helped to uh, people to guide people through that process for sure. Because it really is, whether you're doing a renovation, buying a house, um, selling a house, any of those things, it's one of those things where you have to manage it from the start to the end and handhold through it. Because some people haven't been through it before, or it's just so overwhelming of a process. Yeah, well, it's overwhelming of the process for even for those who are experienced too. I mean, we all still uh, still make mistakes or, or strive to do something different or better the next time around, for sure. Things have changed in the industry so much over the last few years and are continuing to change right now. And I think that that's whether you've done it before or not, that is something to navigate as well. Yeah, really. I mean, I'm sure you've talked about it quite a bit on this show, but very difficult uh, in the last couple of years to, to manage your own renovation, you know, managing trades when there is none, mm -hmm. uh, cost overruns, et cetera. It's very difficult. And talking about that, um, what are you seeing now when you're going to an a list, uh, when you're going to a listing appointment? 
Um, do you have people asking you still, like, should I do a renovation before I sell? Should I do a lipstick job? Should we stage? Or should I literally just throw it on the market because it'll sell in two days kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, number one question. And if people don't ask me it, they really should. Because mm -hmm. uh, there's there's certainly, uh, it's a case-by-case -case scenario. Um, but um, my general advice is that you don't need to spend any money. You know, spending a dollar sometimes will only net you 75 cents. Right. Uh, but there is things that you absolutely can do uh, to in, improve the curb appeal inside and out of your house. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, paint and staging, uh, things like that are really important. But I usually don't recommend uh, ripping out a kitchen uh, just to sell it. And I think, too, I guess it really depends on the actual property. But sometimes you're sort of shooting yourself in the foot when you do that, because myself, I want to be able to put my mark on a house. I don't want to pay for somebody's lipstick job that is totally off base um, yeah. when they wouldn't have had to do it anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone's got different tastes. You know, yes. my own mother puts uh, thousands of dollars into beautiful uh, Brazilian cherry wood flooring in her home. And, right. and it really looked lovely. And we went to sell it and the uh, and the buyer came in and put carpet over the whole thing. Um, wow. So you just never know where you're spending your money. And uh, generally your taste may not be the same as that next, next person that comes in. Mm -hmm. um, but there is some basic things, of course, that everybody does like, and, you know, clean, bright, light, those kind of things. So it is important to, uh, to look at each situation. And making sure that the house looks like it's been, or that it actually has been well taken care of. If something looks like it's been neglected, then people will probably start to raise questions. Absolutely. The deferred maintenance is uh, is number one to take care of. So, you know, as simple as uh, mowing the lawn, getting the moss off the roof, it's that first impression. Um, and then coming in, you know, you see the caulking missing on the baseboards. That's another common one. Uh, things that really stand out to the eye as you walk through as a buyer. And these are all things that, uh, that a homeowner, uh, myself included, you walk by it a thousand times and, and you never see it anymore until you Absolutely. have that fresh set of eyes that comes through. Yes. And um, things have changed a lot in the industry too, in the sense that I think a lot of people, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're still doing the unconditional offers and such. So normally you would bring in an inspector to come and look over all those things, things that maybe are in the crawl space attic or structural that we don't really necessarily know about just from looking at it. Um, but I've experienced where some people aren't even getting inspections. What would you recommend about mm -hmm. that? Yeah, this, this is a great topic and this could be a whole nother podcast for sure. Um, I, I do love this conversation and yes, in, uh, you know, the last, uh, 20 months, we have seen a lot of unconditional offers, but, um, I want to make it really clear that an unconditional offer doesn't mean that you haven't done your due diligence upfront. Right. Okay. Uh, so sometimes, uh, and, and often we're having a delayed offer situation where, uh, offers may be presented in a few days from now. So during that period of time that's when we really have to hustle and we have to make sure that we fulfill all those conditions and sometimes that means hiring a home inspector in advance right um if there's no time to hire a home inspector and check that out uh that certainly is a gamble uh but it is really important to realize that uh no matter how nice a home may look they all require something uh -huh. and you have to build that into your budget so right. you you can't you can't pay your tippy top price and leave nothing left over assuming your house is going to be perfect it doesn't matter where it is yes uh so it's a it's a calculated risk 
and it's one that can be managed properly. And I think, uh, honestly, I think the, uh, the industry as a whole and the media has been blowing the unconditional offer scenario, uh, up a little bit too much. It's not quite as scary as people may think you, you right. can go into it with an educated purchase and you can do your due diligence in advance still, but you have to know what you're looking for and you have to have those contacts and you have to be ready to act really quickly. And how do people who just can't do unconditional offers, like whether they're first time home buyer or a lot of people need financing, those sorts of things, how do they compete in the market right now? Extremely difficult. Uh, you know, earlier this year, um, I set a new personal record for one of the listings I had, and we had 29 offers on it. So, crazy. Uh, you know, there's 28 losers in that scenario, which is which is terrible. So, how do you compete? A lot of times, you, you can't compete. It right. is very difficult. Um, but the best advice is just to be really, really well prepared. Uh, right. Work with the competent professionals. Have a team behind you. You know, have that the realtor, the mortgage broker, the home inspector, um, whoever it may be, and have them all ready to go. Uh, I've I've done first showings, and we brought along a home inspector with us at the time. Well, that's uh, so. So you have to be really, really prepared, and you can't just start your journey and expect to wade into a market like it's been uh, and be successful. So those of us that are are successful, and those buyers who've been successful in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, generally are very well prepared. And I found when we were looking for a home and such is that, you know, it's not the same as it used to be. It used to be you'd put in an offer and the seller would come back with their, you know, negotiating a bit, I mm -hmm. guess is what I'm talking about here. And I find that doesn't happen anymore. Like you said, it's, it might not be 29 other offers, but you're at least putting, throwing something into the ring and see if it'll work. And that's your last chance sort of thing. Yeah, it, and it's different for every scenario for sure. Uh, but it's uh, that, what you're describing, there's obviously a seller's market. And when right. there's a seller's market, the buyer has uh, no room for negotiation. It's it's more of a please pick me uh, yeah. and I will do everything that you ask for you to pick me to purchase your house. Right. Uh, now, in, in the past couple of weeks, we certainly have started to see a shift more towards balanced market conditions. And I don't quite want to use that word balanced yet. Right. But, um, but we are seeing a shift for sure. And is that shift mostly happening in a particular price point or is it right across the board? Yeah, it is. I mean, we always see that middle price point uh, and and it's hard for me to even say that, but a million dollar range is actually kind of a mid range right now yeah. in our city. And uh, that will probably uh, stay hot for a little while. Um, but we are seeing the market recede a little bit at the higher end. Uh, and the outlying areas too, it is receding in a little bit. There's a lot of scared people as to what's going to be coming down the pipeline, what's happening, will they be able to afford a house or their mortgages and such? What's your answer for that? Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it just comes from uh, misinformation. Uh, it also comes from uh, the expectation that we're all going to make money like the stock market and it's just going to go up and down, up and down. Uh, but but housing is not a, and shouldn't be viewed as a short-term investment. Uh, and it is a long-term play. And if you look at any historical price graphs and, uh, and HPI indexes, um, real estate is a safe longer-term investment. And if anybody comes to me and says, well, I, I want to make money in six months. Well, there's only certain markets where you can actually do that. 
Yeah. And that's not something I would recommend uh, uh, playing. You know, that's more of a, a day trader type activity and not and not something you should be doing with real estate. I know. And I think that for the public, it's somewhat deceiving because of TV shows and things like that, where they have a completely different market, say down in the States or even mm -hmm. other areas in Canada. And maybe flipping is still possible, but it's it's pretty risky here. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. I think it's risky anywhere, um, but it certainly looks great on TV when people make all that money and then they want to do it themselves. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And just even seeing the real budgets and such, though, with delays, um, labor shortages, and then just rising costs, anything with renovations is so expensive right now. Yeah, absolutely. And even just the minutest shift in the market, you know, if our market shifts 5%, I could go either way to a big win or a big loss. So um, uh, when you're playing with that kind of money, it is uh, it is uh, daunting and you really got to know what you're doing. Well, and that's a good, good segue, I guess, because I wanted to bring this up. I have a lot of friends that are realtors, um, obviously yourself included. And I feel like I'm constantly defending realtors to people. They're like, oh, you know, you guys have such easy money. You're out there, million dollar listings right now. They're just selling themselves. What would you say to that? How would you defend? Well, or uh, first of all, I appreciate that you're uh, that you're in our corner, Amy. And we, we do need you. <laughs> I see you guys working on Christmas morning. Like that's yeah, absolutely. not for me. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I... I I wouldn't be in this business unless it was treating me well. And I really do enjoy it. Um, and I did have that mindset, you know, 15 years ago when I came in, I thought, man, this is, this could be great. This could be amazing. And uh, it was a grind for the first couple of years to get myself set up. And um, just because we're in a, a rising hot market doesn't mean realtors are all making a whole bunch of money. Uh, you know, when I shared that example of the multiple offer situation, 28 losers, yeah. uh, that's 28 agents who have spent a lot of time working with a buyer, coaching them through uh, the offer process and going through the due diligence period mm -hmm. to not get a paycheck out of it at all. And it's probably so, not the first one they would have put an offer on. They're probably absolutely. multiple ones. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we can make a very good income for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, those of us who built up a, uh, a solid, um, client database and have a good reputation certainly can, but it can take years to create that. And it, and it is not a license to print money. No. And I think a lot of the young realtors that are coming into the industry now as well, maybe have that preconceived notion and that, Really, you've been plugging mm -hmm. away at this for 15 years and have built your business to where it is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, and perhaps we're all, uh, you know, guilty of it, but real estate is a, an image-based mm -hmm. um, yes. career too. And, uh, you know, we all want to show off all the, the, the flashy houses we have and the flashy clothes and the cars we can't afford, <laughs> yeah. put it all over social media. And then it just, it, it almost gives a, a bad reputation to an industry that uh, actually has to work very hard to be able to obtain all those things. Absolutely. But I think a lot of the public, that's not who they want to be working with anyways, right? It really is a real relationship with you and your clients. And it has to be a great fit with someone that they trust and can relate to. Very much so. You know, in Victoria, uh, there is 1,400 realtors in Victoria. So crazy. Uh, it is crazy. When I first meet a client, I'm, I, I want to let them know that I want to work with them only if they want to work with me. 
And if, if we're not going to be a good fit together, then there is, you know, 1,399 other great agents out there. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's no excuse to work with someone who you don't feel comfortable taking advice from. Yes. And, and that's one of the great things about this industry is that there is, there's lots of buyers, just lots of sellers, lots of agents. And uh, it's just about working with people that are like-minded individuals and, and who you can connect with. Exactly. It has to be an experience that they feel good about and that they trust the process. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So before we go, because this has been a lot of talk about the market and all of that, how do you balance this with your home life, the work life, the home life? Where's the balance? Uh, it's terrible. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it starts with having a, a very understanding uh, family. Uh, and in my case, uh, you know, my uh, wife and kids, um, they've, uh, they've been extremely supportive and understanding that it's not your typical uh, nine to five job. Um, and I'll be the first to admit that uh, I've gone through a few uh, times in my career where I've been close to a burnout. And um, one of the things that's really saved me is, is building a successful partnership where we can have some, some work-life balance. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it shouldn't be okay that when you're um, having a family dinner or uh, celebrating an occasion that you have to be answering your phone. No. And so uh, I understand that it is important that when that phone rings, someone needs to answer it. Right. Someone needs to deal with a situation that uh, is probably very time sensitive. And so uh, for myself, having a, a, a fantastic partner, Chris, shout out to you, um, and a team behind me that, uh, that can really support uh, each other when we when we need it is really really important and that creates that that work-life balance because uh, no one's doing their best work if you've had 28 days in a row with a, without a day off and you're just burnt out so Absolutely. um it is nice to uh you know sit on the bench for a few minutes and, and get your legs and mm -hmm. uh and come back a lot fresher uh, on your next shift and it, it's beneficial for everybody that's an amazing take on it I want to thank you so much for being here with us today, John. Where can the viewers and listeners find you? Really easy, chrisandjohn.ca. Uh, love to hear from you. And uh, thank you very much for having me today, Amy. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye now.